Hey, everybody. Welcome to Let's Fix Work. I'm Lori Rudiman. On today's show, I'm chatting with John Fort. He's a CNBC anchor who covers the work beat, and you can see him on Squawk Alley and hear him on Fort Knox. John and CNBC are hosting an event for IT professionals called Productivity at Work, which is how I snagged him. On today's show, we talk about what's going right and a little bit about what's going wrong and what's broken with the world of work. Want to hear about companies and leaders who are making a difference? Do you want to learn about what makes an organization great? Well, sit tight and I'll be right back with John Fort and Let's Fix Work. Work is broken. So is the way you think about it. Host Lori Rudiman is picking up the pieces so you can take control of your career, put yourself first, and be your own HR. With the Let's Fix Work podcast, here's Lori. Hey, everybody, Lori Rudiman here. You listen to Let's Fix Work because you believe there's more to life than just building your corporate resume. That's why I want to tell you about Build Your Life Resume. It's an eight-week coaching program from my pal, Jesse Itzler, a New York Times bestselling author of Living with a Seal. I took the course earlier this year, and it has helped me in all buckets of my life, work, family, mindfulness, and wellness. You know me. If you want to fix work, you got to fix yourself. And BYLR was a great first step for me. Visit takebylr.com to sign up for Build Your Life Resume. There's one more eight-week coaching program in 2018, which starts on November 1st, so you've got to act today. Jesse will help you get out of ruts, challenge yourself, and tap into your inner reserve to achieve your goals. I took the class and loved it, so visit takebylr.com and sign up for Build Your Life Resume. That's takebylr.com. Sign up today because class begins on November 1st. That's takebylr.com. Welcome to Let's Fix Work, John Fort. How you doing? I'm doing great, Lori. How are you? Good, good. Well, actually, before we get started today, you are a veteran communicator. You've been doing this for a lot of years, and I'm very new at podcasting, and I have a cold. So I wonder, do you have (laughs) any advice for me? (laughs) This is my first cold on air. You know, technically, we're all pretty new at podcasting. <laughs> so, you know, just go with it. All right. That's good advice. Thank you. Well, listen, you are the co-anchor of Squawk Alley, which covers the tech space very closely. And you're also the founder of Fort Knox. And you interview a lot of smart people at great companies. And I wonder, what do you like out there? What are the best companies doing? And what are the best leaders doing? And what can we emulate? Well, I think the best leaders are sort of rethinking the classic traditional corporate mindset, which is just go, 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 work at all hours, you know, look busy all the time, give your heart and soul to the company, and then everything will work out. I think we see some leaders emerging on the scene who don't have that, I mean, frankly, probably hyper-masculine approach to leadership and culture. And some of them are really achieving results, and it's challenging the traditional way that we've looked at what success means, what the right attitude for success means for an employee and for a company. Yeah, I love that. Is there any example of anybody that you've talked to who comes to mind that's really breaking the mold or is a leader out there that we should be paying attention to? You know, because we have classic leaders that we all love, like, you know, Warren Buffett and Bill Gates, but anybody new on the scene who's just kind of taking your breath away? 
Well, it's funny you mentioned Bill Gates, co-founder and former CEO of Microsoft. The current CEO of Microsoft, the guy Satya Nadella, is a guy who immediately comes to mind challenging that mindset about leadership and about attitude. I've spoken to him a couple of times on my podcast, Fort Knox, as you mentioned. Thanks. Yeah. And... (laughs) Well, when he was up for that CEO job, he had been a top exec at Microsoft for a while, running kind of a wonky business called Server and Tools, building up the cloud back before that was a thing everybody was talking about. And um, the board wanted his thoughts on what he would do as CEO and wanted to know, you know, do you want to be CEO? And his response was something along the lines of, well, you know, if you want me to be CEO, I want to be CEO. <laughs> and they were kind of like, what? Like you're you're not supposed to say that. You're supposed to say yes and twice on Sundays. And, he, and he's like, no. I, I mean, yeah, I do a good job, but you know. Yeah, I love how I'm refreshing not, that is. I mean, that's yeah. That- all about how you, I think, prioritize work. And if you're the type of person who fetishizes work, right, and you're constantly chasing after it, and it's really super important, you're going to have one response. But, you know, if you're Satya, you've got a different response and you're grounded in mindfulness. So I love that example. I mean, he's a really cool guy. And I think you're right. He really encapsulates this new description of the modern leader. And I think another thing that some leaders are doing is they're using data in an interesting way to ground themselves. And it, oh, wait. Tell me more about that. Yeah. It's not just about looking at the same old numbers and running a business by the numbers. It's challenging the assumptions that we have about what customers want, what employees want, the things that need to get done by being really thoughtful about what data we collect and then how we track it over time. And so uh, a leader who I think is interesting along those lines is Katrina Lake, the founder and CEO of Stitch Fix, which uh, went public about a year ago. People are hearing more and more about it. It's one of these kind of subscription clothing companies. What's different about the way she's approaching fashion and retail is she uses artificial intelligence along with professional stylists to try to get the right look for the individual customer. So the way that she's using data to challenge the traditional mindset around how that business works is really interesting. And in conversation with her, I think she's also challenged the way startups work and who can run a startup and who can start something and what your background and resume has to look like. That's kind of refreshing. Yeah, I love that. And I think, you know, everybody who works in the world of human resources, who's in my primary audience, has heard of Stitch Fix at this point, because I know it's just one of those things where when you're a working, busy HR professional, it's so incredibly challenging to go out there and, you know, pick your wardrobe and also have a job. And so Stitch Fix has been a lifesaver in my industry. So it's great that you mentioned her. You know, in the past year, our collective attention has been focused, I think, on two important trends. Me Too, and flat wages. And so I think work feels broken for so many individuals out there because of those two issues. And I know there are thought leaders and executives who are really thinking about the changing nature of work, and they're putting some time and attention on both Me Too and flat wages. But what are your thoughts about those two issues and how they intersect the workforce? And how do you see leaders reacting to that? (laughs) <laughs> Which one should we take first? Yeah, well, like they're both ginormous topics. Go pick <laughs> one. Let's go. <laughs> Me too. 
from where I sit in media, Me Too is, on the one hand, pretty simple. It's about respect. It's about the culture at a company, what's allowed, where the boundaries are. But then at a deeper level, I think it also goes to leaders understanding that no matter what they might think they project, no matter what they might say about the culture of a company and what they think they've established and the modeling that they think that they're doing, flaws happen. Mm -hmm. People mess up. Bad hires happen. There are cultural anomalies. So it's challenging leaders to look beneath the surface and say, not just do I believe in this company and do I think I've modeled things correctly, but how careful have I been about making sure that when things do go wrong, because we know that in manufacturing processes, in execution of plants, in everything else, we assume things go wrong and we have you know plans to mitigate that. Do we have plans for the culture? Have we opened up lines of communication in such a way that if there were a problem and somebody did feel intimidated, taken advantage of, you know, someone had treated them in a way that was unfair, is the culture one that would tend to amplify that and make it rise to the surface so that it could be dealt with in a productive way? Or is it one that would seek to push it beneath the surface? So I think as we're seeing these conversations unfold, some of the better leaders are taking a much more self-critical and organizationally critical look at those questions, embracing the fact that things will go wrong versus taking more of a defensive posture. Yeah, from your lips to God's ears, man. I really hope that's true. What are your thoughts on the flat line of wages? You know, we had this promise with the Trump tax cuts that more and more employees would see a direct line benefit in their pocketbooks. And I think many individuals who are already disengaged and some who are in love with their companies but are really struggling have not seen the effects of the tax cut the way that they had hoped. So I wonder (laughs) if if that's an issue on your show, if any leaders have talked to you about it, or if you have any thoughts on that. Yeah, it is. And it's funny because, you know, CNBC, Business News Channel, covers the market, you know, big public companies. So it's kind of like a weird kind of split-minded way that this issue gets looked at. On the one hand, there's a certain set of people who are pretty happy when wages are flat because wages are a cost to businesses. And if they're able to hold that line, hold it in control, then boy, don't the profit numbers look good. (laughs) And then the stock goes higher and, you know, that set of people is happy. But then on the other hand, in the real world, uh-huh, <laughs> you know, where, right. <laughs> where, people, where people work and need money in their bank accounts in order to buy things and to send their kids to school and to you know, save for retirement, et cetera, et cetera, that's, it's a big problem. And you know, as we've seen the unemployment rate tick lower and lower, we learn traditionally that the way the market is supposed to work, the labor market is supposed to work, when the unemployment rate is low and it's harder to find workers, well, wages go higher. Yeah, that's right. A lot higher than they have. And they've been ticking up a bit, but they go a lot higher than they have been. And I think it's a big problem. And part of the issue is that I think a lot of companies, I was just talking about how good it is to look at data. But what I'm trying to say and what I tried to say is that it's not good to just look at data and not to have empathy and not to have creativity enter into the picture. And I think as we've begun to quantify more and more things, including 
people, employees, the labor force, we've learned to become efficient in how we deal with people too, but perhaps sacrificing growth and creativity and possibility. So I don't think it's a mistake that wages are stagnant. I think it's something that that a lot of companies are trying to hold in line, but I think there are some interesting creative companies that are figuring out ways to add people, to do things differently, and to grow. American Giant is an interesting case. It's a small company based in San Francisco, but it's this company started by a guy named Bayard Winthrop, and he determined that he was going to try to make classic American design clothes in America. And he was going to try to use American fabrics to do it and sell them online. It's pretty amazing when you think about it. Like, yeah, not only kind of hoodie. They're really great. They're fabulous. It's a good product. And he just started making jeans. Oh, that's good. So, yeah. yeah, they started with hoodies. They did T-shirts and sweatshirts and <laughs> pants. And they slowly, dresses, they slowly built it out. Now they're doing jeans. And one of the fascinating things about, to me, about the way that he's been running the company is he told me about this warehouse that he had and the way that they were putting together, you know, assembling clothing. And it was more of an assembly line format. But after doing some studying and looking at things, he figured out they could actually make the clothes better if instead of handing, you know, one person does a sleeve and then hands it to the next person to do the collar and then hands it to the next, if they had teams of people working on the whole unit together and really looking at quality all at once, the result was better. It was more challenging work for the individual, but it came out better in the end. And that's something that you wouldn't figure out if you're just looking at the data and trying to optimize for your existing process. As leaders, can you be bold enough to rethink the entire process in a way that perhaps puts a bet on people and creativity instead of just looking at holding costs in the numbers? God, that is so very interesting. You know, we live in this age where we throw around buzzwords like automation, like artificial intelligence, like machine learning. And when you think about the future of work, I mean, all of those words have meaning and they're important, but sometimes they are thrown around at the expense of good old-fashioned human collaboration and innovation. (laughs) And really just at, I think it does us a disservice to throw those words around. But I wonder when you think about the future of work, what's in the forefront of your mind? It can't just be buzzwords, right, John? You're hearing about all sorts of cool things. So when we think about the next 10 to 20 years of work, what do you think about? Well, I don't worry too much. We'll see 10 to 20 years from now if I'm foolish. I don't worry too much <laughs> right. about automation and AI, you know, all this stuff that is going on out there now that people say, oh, it's going to eat all the jobs. When I think of the future of work, I think that we're pretty much in it. I think the present of work and the challenges that we've been talking about around stagnant wages and you know, difficulty of advancement and, and cultural challenges around having a truly diverse workforce, which is great. It opens up markets. It opens up creativity. It makes for better companies. But you know, when everybody's not the same, you end up with new kinds of points of tension and challenges internally that need to be solved that I think can make organizations better. But I think of things in the future of work in the same frame that I think of my own work. And that's around the challenge of being a three-track worker, somebody who thinks about what the boss needs, on the one hand, then also what the organization needs, and then what I need to learn. And for me, that has elements of, you know, 
what any individual within the organization, even the CEO, says is important is not necessarily mm-hmm. the only thing that's important for the organization. Right. And I think the challenge for a worker in the future of work is to think not just about the marching orders given, but about the whole strategic playing field. And what do I believe, based on my experience in the organization, is important for this organization? And how can I contribute to that or communicate that to the people who have an ability to work together on that? And then finally, you know, what do I need to learn? I think even whether you're within that organization, within that industry or not, just as a person, as a worker, as a talent, potentially as an entrepreneur, if you aren't already, what are the skills within yourself, the talents that you need to develop that are going to make you more valuable? And I think these challenges that we talk about around automation and artificial intelligence, they're really about a new kind of obsolescence, but that's always been a challenge for the worker is what's going to make you obsolete if you don't move in the right direction fast enough. So I think it's the same song in a different key. Yeah, really interesting. Well, listen, CNBC is hosting an event called Productivity at Work, which is going to take place on Tuesday, October 30th in New York City. And I wonder if you can tell us a little bit about that event. Absolutely. Well, everybody listening, if you are a chief information officer or chief technology officer, definitely sign up. But, you know, if not, call up your favorite CIO and CTO (laughs) if they're in the New York area or want to get there and let them know. It's really focused on the future of work and talking to the CTO and the CIO about how they can best operate with the right mindset for the future. And a couple of the panels that I'm excited about One I put together with the CEO of Panera, Blaine Hurst. The reason why I wanted to bring him into the conversation is he used to be the technical leader at Panera. He's the guy who was really spearheading the Panera 2.0 idea of they're the best restaurant out there, really, when it comes to mobile ordering, whether you're in-store or out of store. Yeah. Yeah. Delivery. You can go into the store and order to your table number and have somebody bring it to you, which if you have kids like me, you know <laughs> is great. You don't have to stand in line with kids tugging and on your shirt. Your cookie. And, yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so before he was a CEO, he was the technical leader putting that strategy together. And then also with Blaine, I'm going to have Lisa Sue, who's the CEO of AMD, Intel's chief rival in PC chips. She was a technical leader in many organizations, including AMD. She was at IBM for a while before becoming CEO. And so what I think is going to be fun about that conversation is they'll be able to talk about how as a technical leader, you can translate the needs that you have within your organization, the priorities that you have for the overall organization into terms that the CEO and the board can understand on the one hand. Not a bad event so far. Sounds really interesting. (laughs) (laughs) And then on the other hand, if you're a technical leader and you think you have what it takes to be a CEO or that's an ambition of yours, how do you do it? And then also I'll be talking to Aaron Levy, co-founder and CEO of Box and Chris Young, the CEO of McAfee lots of concerns around security these days, and they'll be able to talk about the future with some of those artificial intelligence type challenges. Some of that's going to fuel the bad guys too and how to defend against them. 
Yeah, really interesting. Well, listen, you've got a great podcast series as well called Fort Knox. And I know we mentioned it at the onset, but I wonder what's in the pipeline that makes you really excited about your own show and your own podcast? Like what's coming up? What's cool? Ah, lots of stuff. I get to talk to cool people, which is fun. I've got the uh, co-founder of Hotel Tonight, which is an app that frequent business travelers might be familiar with. It started off as Hey, if you find yourself in in, uh, in the position of needing a literal hotel tonight that you didn't expect, <laughs> can you get a good deal on it? And they started out kind of mobile only, and they've expanded from there, talking about the state of travel and how he tries to stay sharp and come up with new features and keep his millennial workforce motivated. Duolingo is a company that's all about learning new languages and doing it using technology, and so it's you know a creative take on solving an age-old challenge of communication and getting ready to operate in different environments. And so it'll be exciting to talk to that founder. And then we've got Amazon's AWS reInvent conference coming up, their annual cloud shindig, and Amazon's the biggest name in the cloud. I'll be sitting down with the CEO of AWS, Andy Jassy, which is always a great conversation. And we'll talk for the podcast as well. Dude, not too shabby. These are some pretty good guests. (laughs) like very impressive (laughs) well listen it was really great to have you on the show today if people wanted to find more about you or productivity at work john where could they go well productivity at work first that's the organization's priority right Mm -hmm. cnbc.com slash productivity at work you'll be able to uh, see some of those speakers we've got coming up i didn't even name them all and there's a sign-up form where if you are a CIO or CTO or know a great CIO or CTO who would benefit from it, they can sign up there. Find out more about me. Hey, I know we're talking to an HR-heavy audience, so LinkedIn is a great spot. I try to post there pretty often. And also, hey, I'll give my mom a plug. <laughs> All right. Let's hear about she's an mom. artist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's an artist, a net fort, and I'm just working with her on a netfort.com. Oh, I love it. We've got it. some collaborative efforts there as well. So if you really want to learn more about me in all aspects, there you go. Well, that's great. And we're going to link to all of that in our show notes. John, it was a real treat to have you on the show today. Thanks so much for being a guest on Let's Fix Work. The pleasure was all mine. Thanks, Lori. Yeah, everybody stick around. We'll be right back with more Let's Fix Work. Hey, everybody. You know I love to brag about my friends. I also like to listen to them. And right now, I'm listening to Jennifer McClure, host of the Impact Makers podcast. Jennifer is connecting with leaders across all industries to figure out how to make a difference at work and in the world. Here's what she's got going on. I believe strongly that each of us has the ability and the opportunity to positively impact people through our work and through how we choose to live our lives. The truth is that you've already impacted people in this world, even if you haven't been trying. I love what Jennifer has to say. And if you like what you're hearing right here on Let's Fix Work, you'll love what Jennifer's talking about on Impact Makers. So go to jennifermcclure.net forward slash iTunes and subscribe today. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed my chat with John Fort. You can find out all about him and his mother in the show notes. And just a word that you can find me at L. Rudiman and Let's Fix Work all over the internet and on Patreon, where we're building a community that makes work better, really without the help of human resources. Let's Fix Work is a production of One Stone Creative. Audra, Megan, and Gerson make the show sound great. And we can't do this without you. So please share, rate, and review the show. 
and head over to your favorite podcast player and hit the subscribe button. Now that's all for today and I really hope you enjoyed it. I'll see you next time on Let's Fix Work. If you're ready to make a real change in your workplace, start today by subscribing to this podcast and help us get the word out by leaving a review.